Um, I would love to begin today talking about the Holy Spirit. Today, one of my favorite topics, the person of the Holy Spirit, and I'm actually going to move into a time on talking about tongues and speaking in tongues and the use of that and bring some clarity. Uh, but before I do that, I, I always wonder, God, you know, would you please give us a word every week that is living and that is for the moment? And I began to think about this week, and we've had a very challenging week in the United States when it comes to questions and hurt and racism and, and, and challenge and just hate and all these things. And then you have COVID, and I hear people a lot just saying, there's just so much going on, and, and we don't know what to do. Like, we don't even know what to pray. We don't know how to help. We feel helpless. We feel powerless. And I just am so grateful to God that he puts right in the middle of this this focus on the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. Because God's answers and God's solutions and God's power and our help is the Spirit of God in us. We're the church of Jesus. And, and one of the things that's important to remember is that Jesus didn't just come to die to forgive us of our sins so that we could go to heaven. That's part of it, praise God. But in being forgiven of our sins and being cleansed, then we were prepared we were prepared and made ready to be filled and to receive the helper, the Holy Spirit, God himself. Can somebody say amen? You may be in your room right now at home. Would you go ahead and comment amen? It's important that we realize that one of the reasons Jesus died on that cross was to get us help, to get us power, to get us the ability to overcome the enemy in any way, shape, or form. Overcome sin, overcome sin in the world, overcome sin in our lives, overcome wickedness in the world, that it's not all on us, but we have God in us. And then learning how to tap into that, learning how to release that, that Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. And so I really thought today was so strategically placed because you may feel today like you're powerless. And I'm here to remind you that you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are not powerless. And that you don't know what to pray. And by the end of today, you're going to realize you have the capacity to pray the mind of God. And you will know exactly what to pray. And our prayers matter. And our prayers move mountains. And our prayers make a difference. That's not meaningless or a token gesture. That's the beginning of changing the world. It, it begins with men and women praying, getting the mind of God, and then getting the actions that God says are the right actions. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm glad you're with us today. Now, I'm also in this series that Pastor presented to us called Different. And I love that Pentecost Sunday is included in this series because on this day, everything changed. On this day, we were no longer alone. God wasn't out there somewhere. God resides in here. Amen. So even when we feel like he's far away, he's not far away. He's right here. It's not based on what we feel. It's based on what he said. He's right on the inside. He's with us. He's, and it's not just a spirit from God. We're talking the spirit of God, my friend. The Holy Spirit is not an angel from heaven like any other spirit. The Holy Spirit is God himself walking among us and with us. You are not alone. You are not powerless. And by the end of today, we're going to know how to access the mind of God to know what to do. And so I hope today encourages you. I think it's the most relevant topic we can talk about. So we're talking about change. Everything has changed. We're talking about different. We are different. You're not mere mortals anymore. You are mortals empowered by the living God. Amen. But in this, I'm also concluding the Beatitude series. So we got a lot to do through all these areas. But I thought it was perfect that Pentecost Sunday ends on this Beatitude series. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, if you have your Bibles at home or here, some of our volunteers are training to prepare for you next week. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and you can open those up. Maybe take some notes today. God will speak to you more as you begin to unpack it with notes. But I'll start with the end of the Beatitude series. And it just fell on this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. 
I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember that the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You know, this idea of blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right, for theirs is the, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I think about that spirit of persecution, that spirit of intimidation to stop the things that God is doing in the earth, to, to make good people sit back and to be afraid or, or even to make them question, are they doing something wrong and, and to make them shrink back. And I'm here to tell you that the lights, the lights of the world that are God in you, you are the salt, you are the light, to not hold back and to not let yourself be intimidated because the world needs you. It needs the cities on the hill. It needs the salt. It needs the light. And it needs the God that's on the inside of you. But this concept where the world looks at you and says you're doing something wrong, that that's all meant to keep you from living and being everything God's created you to be, to get you to be double-minded about yourself, to get you to be double-minded about things that God has told you and promised you so that you don't operate in them wholeheartedly or fully. I also think it's important to realize that, that when good people do good things, that doesn't mean that you're exempt from persecution or opposition. Sometimes people challenge and say, well, if I was doing everything God told me to do, then, there, then everybody would agree or everybody would celebrate it. And I'm here to show you throughout scripture how many times when people stand up to do the right thing or they're operating in the fullness of God that they're persecuted and opposed on the outside. You can look at Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel wasn't doing anything wrong. He was living the fullness of God in his life and he was thrown into a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't doing anything wrong, but they were persecuted and thrown into a fiery furnace because they were living the fullness of God. Our theology has to adopt this mindset that, that opposition, people questioning it, people persecuting you, all that stuff, to not look at that as, as you're doing something wrong or what you believe isn't wrong or is wrong that they're trying to put a question where God gave you a, a period, where God gave you an exclamation point to do it, and they're trying to make you question it. Are you understanding that? Because if you question it, you won't be confident in it. If you question it, you'll hold back. And, and that's why I think it's so important in this topic of the Holy Spirit, in this topic of the idea of tongues, there's been persecution, there's been confusion, there's been opposition, but I really believe it's because the enemy is so scared of this operation in the body of Christ. And by putting persecution on it, by making people feel like they're doing something that's awkward or doing something that's not approved by everybody else, I'm here to tell you, everybody, that the world already thinks that we're already out there. We've already come out of agreement with most of what they say. We believe that God made us in his image and we didn't come from apes. We've already come out of agreement with that. We believe Jesus was born of a virgin. We already came out of agreement that that's impossible. We believe that God came in the flesh, died on a cross, and rose on the third day. I'm telling you, they already think we're crazy. So now, who cares if they think that us speaking in a language we didn't learn is weird? We're already weird. But, the, but not weird to be weird. You know what I'm saying? Don't just be weird to be weird. I'm just saying there are things that God's told us to do that we don't need to look for the world to applaud it or understand it. But we have to be confident in it. Because when we're confident in it, we can teach it to our children. We can teach it to our grandchildren. We can help other people access this ability, this anointing that God has given us. And I'm here to show us today that it's the most relevant thing we can do in a moment like this with all this confusion that's around us. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Acts chapter 2. 
talking about the day of Pentecost. Talking about the day of Pentecost. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to do a little lengthy passage of scripture. So go ahead and join me in this. I don't want you to lose interest or get distracted. But I want to bring you through the day of Pentecost. And you say, well, what is that? That's 50 days after the resurrection. And it was a celebrated day on the Jewish calendar. And that was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. So it's the day of Pentecost. That's where we are right now. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard this loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in all of our own native languages. And it begins to list off all of these languages. Verse 13, jump down to verse 13. But others in the crowd, they ridiculed them saying, they are just drunk. That's all it is. I'd like to point out, like we talked about, persecution on day one with this concept of people praying in a language that they did not learn. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you assume. It's only nine o'clock in the morning and it's much too early. I think it's funny that that was Peter's reasoning. That the only reason they're not drunk, it's too early. <laughs> that was like his statement to put everyone at peace. Like, you guys are crazy. It's way too early for that. Anyway. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you assume. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Again, that's key today. This is about the outpouring of God's spirit into our lives upon all people, and I love that, because all people means all, everyone, every race, every tribe, every tongue, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my main servants and men servants alike, and they will prophesy, and it goes on and on. And so today I wanna to talk to you about this idea of tongues. I want to bring to you some clarity and some value in it. And I, I believe by doing so that we'll begin to practice it and be more confident, you know, in this. The Bible uses the phrase tongues in the King James. I read the New Living here and it uses the word languages. And I hope that kind of gives you some peace. This idea that God empowers people to pray, which we'll get to that in a minute, this prayer ability to pray in a language that they did not learn. The word tongues, I think, has creeped people out. They have this weird image in their head of what that looks like or what that means. But can we just use the, the word language and maybe that'll put some peace in your heart. It's not weird or strange to see someone speaking in a language. They could have learned it, Spanish or you know, Chinese or who knows what, German. People speak in multiple languages all the time. What, what makes this unique is that individuals received this language as a miracle. They receive it as a gift from God. Now, one of the reasons that this manifestation is so powerful as well is it's an immediate um, 
expression that something's different inside of these individuals. They're doing something they weren't able to do a minute ago, and we're in this series called Different. But does God do that? Let's try to just unpack this a little bit. Does God give people languages just like that? Is that too hard for God to do that? Well, we can go back to Genesis chapter 11. You can look at it at another time, but sometimes I like to see if God did it before, then it's not something that's so unique and something that's so strange. And in Genesis chapter 11, you'll notice there's this place called the Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, God gave multiple languages to multiple people in an instant. They were building a tower to reach to the heavens. They were proclaiming their independence from God. And God scattered them across the world with different languages. But notice what happened. In one moment, God took one language and he dispersed many languages in a moment. And then people had to go find their group and they became nations and tribes and all that kind of thing. But for me, that was a great picture because I asked the same question. I said, did God ever do this? Do we have precedence that God supernaturally can download or deposit a language into individuals? And I absolutely can see it in Genesis chapter 11. See, why would God give us language? Why does that matter? Why is that important? And I want us to see that God didn't give us tongues or this ability to speak in another language that we didn't learn to make us weird. God gave us this ability to make us powerful. And words, listen to me very closely, please write, if you write anything down, write this down today. Words matter to God. See, when God gave you the ability to speak, he wasn't putting you on display to be silly or to be mocked or persecuted. In God's mind, he was giving you the power to declare. He was giving you power to release faith. He was giving you power to bridge from heaven to earth. He was giving you the ability to move mountains that are standing in front of you. See, we have this image of Jesus when he comes back on, a, on this horse in the book of Revelations. The Bible says there's this sword that comes out of his mouth. Our words are swords. Our words are weapons. Are you understanding this? Words are important. And so God doesn't give us the ability to pray in these languages to make us awkward or weird or, or, or just to make us strange. He, God was equipping us for moments like this in life where we don't know what to pray. We don't know what's going on. And our minds are limited in our, our known language. Our understanding falls short. But then we have the ability to lock into the spirit realm and to pray the prayers that need to be prayed to bypass our lack of understanding, our lack of faith, or our fear, or our anxiety. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, because words are important. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. And so with your tongue, you have the ability to, to speak life or to, to speak death. We can speak to mountains and they move. The Bible talks about our prayers, setting up kingdoms and bringing kingdoms down. Words matter to God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Words are how God creates everything and releases power. Amen. And so if we understand this concept of language and words, then we're understanding why the enemy doesn't want people operating in this because it's a powerful tool and weapon against him. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I just want you to see this. The Apostle Paul, he says, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with words that I understand. I will sing with my spirit and I will also sing in words that I don't understand. So Paul, in this verse, you can go back and look at it again later. I love what he says. He says that I will pray with my spirit 
talking about praying in words he doesn't understand because he received them and he's prayed them. And he says, I'll sing in words I don't understand, but then I will pray with words I understand. And what I'd like to get you to see here is this practical gift God has given us that we have the ability to switch on and switch off this ability because it's downloaded, it's in you, and you can release it when you need it. No matter what your emotions or what your, your feelings or your thoughts um, are telling you at that time, you can shift, you can decide to shift into spirit mode and out of flesh mode, out of carnal mode. See, Paul says, I will pray in the spirit or I will pray in understanding. And then he talks about here that, you know, there are times that it's important to pray in words that you don't understand. And I know for us, for many of us, that, that sounds a little, a little weird. Like, how could it be valuable to pray in words that we don't understand? Because God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't do anything just for the sake of doing it. There's a reason. So why would God give us the ability to speak beyond our understanding? To bypass our understanding? Just put a little pin in that for a second. And I just want to remind us that in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23 the Bible kind of breaks down the human being to three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. I have them up here. Spirit. You get it on the screen. Spirit. Soul. And then over here we have body. Now let me just help you understand this a little bit. When you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says that old things are passed away, all things have become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Give me an amen just because that's awesome. Praise God. You're not the same. You're not a better version of what you once were. You're a new creation. Isn't that awesome? Jesus didn't just clean you up and teach you a little religion. He made something new. I love that. And so you were made or recreated the spirit side of you, right? But we can look at our bodies and we can tell that that part of us was not recreated. It hasn't been made new yet, right? That's for a future date. That's resurrection day, amen? I mean, many of us, when we prayed a prayer of salvation, we didn't get a new body. D did you get a brand new body? Anybody? Did your hair grow back? Did you get taller? Did you get a six pack all of a sudden? You know what I'm saying? No, they weren't handing those out at my church. Maybe your church, but not at mine. But the point is, is, this is not the new creation part. This is not what transformed immediately. The spirit was in, in the screen. If I could point way over there on the screen, the spirit was. But then we have this part of the soul. Now, many theologians and many teachers will, will break the soul down into what they consider to be the mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. And there may be other interpretations of that, and you may have studied some things that are even beyond that. But I think it's a good teaching point today for our illustration where we're going with why would God have this gift in our lives where there's times that we can bypass, we need to pray beyond. I like to say it, pray beyond our understanding. Pray beyond, listen, pray beyond our mind. Pray beyond our own will. Pray beyond our own emotions. See, because if we didn't have this ability to turn this part off and to bypass it, that means we're praying only what's in our own mind. Only what we can conceive, only what we can perceive, only what we can have faith for in the moment, only what we currently have faith to believe. Or we're only praying with our emotions? I mean, come on now. 
How many of us want to be ruled by our emotions when it comes to moving mountains in prayer? I mean, my emotions many times tell me to quit. I don't know about you, maybe that's too honest, but my emotions say, this is hard, this is taking too long. So mind, will, your emotions, and your will sometimes, how many, how many have ever known there's times where your will wants to do one thing, but yet you know the will of God is for you to do something else, and you wrestle? I think that's actually where we take up the cross. It's a place where our will and his will cross, and his will wins. Amen. So I want to break that down, spirit, soul, body. And I want to remind you of one more pin. Remember I said put a pin in that? One more pin. You got lots of pins today. Is that all right? Lots of pins. Just in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is teaching us to pray. And he says, you know, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. In this part here, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I would like to remind everyone, and I think... Anyone who's been in church any length of time would agree with this. That God has chosen to partner with us to bring his will into the earth through our prayers. Our prayers matter. Prayer is not just fellowship with God and devotion. I love having my personal devotions. Nothing wrong with personal devotions. But I want to remind us that prayer is also bringing forth the will of God from heaven to the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Jesus is teaching us to pray. He's telling us why it's so important that we do pray. Because there are things that need to happen in the earth. And it's waiting to happen until believers speak it out. Send that word and sow it out. Send the angels. Send the word. Declare what God's will is. And he uses our faith and he uses that access point to begin moving and shifting things. Our prayers really matter. That's why showing up for the prayer meeting is not a little thing. It's not just a little gathering where we waste an hour just talking. My friends... Prayer is where we create the future. Prayer is where we change the world. Prayer is the beginning of God's solutions into your life, your kids' lives, the nation, the problems, all the stuff that we're feeling around us. We're not alone. We have access to God, but we have to take that access. We have to engage in that PowerPoint. Amen. And so that's a reminder. So now let's go back to this concept of prayer. Spirit, soul, body. Our prayers are important. What we pray is praying God's will into your life, God's will into the earth. So why would it be valuable then to be able to bypass your mind, will, and emotions? Why would there be a time that I would pray with my understanding and a time that I would choose not to pray with my understanding? And it's this, it's this piece here, what we were talking about just a moment ago. Because there are prayers that God needs us to pray that may be, too big for where we currently are in our understanding. They may be too scary. You know what, there are things that God wants to pray into your life right now, but if he were to show you the good plan he has for you, declares the Lord, right, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future, some of us, when God begins to pray that out of your mouth, it would scare you right now because it's way more than you could ask, think, or imagine. You might even disqualify yourself because you would say, but God, I'm not worthy. And you would get all your doubt and unbelief in the way and God's just trying to grab your tongue to pray something bigger than you currently can see. You see, your tongue is important. God wants your tongue and the devil wants your tongue. He wants the power of your words. God wants your tongue to bless your life. The devil wants your tongue to curse your life. God wants your tongue to bring healing and hope and salvation. The devil wants your tongue to bring death and destruction. But there are things that God wants to pray through you, but it's going to get bottlenecked right here. 
that you're going to need God to explain it all, and God doesn't have time sometimes to explain it all. God doesn't have to explain it all to you. He, you don't even have to understand what it is that you're praying in this moment because it's not your understanding that brings it to pass. It's the fact that God spoke it through your mouth that he can begin to process it into the earth. He doesn't need your understanding. He needs your tongue. Come on now. Isn't that awesome? Let's also look at it in the sake of maybe your children or your grandkids. Maybe right now, your mind, will, and emotions are caught up to all the things that they're addicted to right now. You're so focused on what they're not right now, it's very difficult for you to pray the future that God has for them because you're concerned with the immediate, and so is the Lord. But you know, we have to pray his will into the earth. We just talked about that. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God is not only concerned about their immediate addictions or problems or deficiencies, but God is wanting us to pray beyond it, not get stuck staring at the current giant. Remember David? You know, Goliath was just part of David's story. He wasn't all of David's story. And there are children and grandchildren and people we love that are currently involved in a, in, a, in a fight in their life. And God needs us, yes, to pray with our understanding about what we currently know. But he also wants us to pray beyond that thing because this is going to pass. He's already promising you this too shall pass. But he needs you to be able to pray further than what your current mind, will, and emotions can see. So you don't get sucked into just praying from your own perspective. But when we pray in the spirit, when we pray and God gives us the words to pray, we're praying from his vantage point. We're praying from what he can see, what he can believe, what he knows can happen. And we're not shrinking our prayers down to just the level that we can believe. Is this making sense? Because this is so normal. This is so normal. Our emotions, our mind, our will getting involved. Can you see how it can stifle and suffocate big dreams, big vision, future? Because we're kind of conditioned to just pray for what we can see with our senses. And same thing with our body. There's times where our body is weak or tired or who knows what's going on, you know, in your physical body. But I love that we have the ability to bypass these. See, when we just pray with our understanding, a lot of times we're praying this direction. We're praying from do we feel like what we feel, what we see, what we can currently touch or, or, or conceive, whatever. So we pray this way. Our prayers come from through what we're feeling or experiencing, through what we currently have emotions or thoughts or wills about, and then we, we pray through our understanding this way up to heaven, okay? But when we pray in the Spirit, we're actually praying from God to the spirit and then our prayers are going out this way, bypassing what we currently see, understand, think, feel, and bypassing what our body wants to do right now and praise directly the perfect will of God into the situation and into the earth. See this multi-directional praying here, that's where the switch gets flipped. I will pray, there is value in praying with the understanding, but this is why there's value in praying beyond your understanding. So just be paying attention how often we're just praying this way through what we see, what we currently feel, touch and experience, what we have emotions and wills on and it gets this way to God and then be imagining and using your, uh, this gift that God's given you. How often am I engaging God? Pray through me from your vantage point. Pray through me your will. Pray through me your promise and bypass my limited knowledge, my limited ability, my limited faith, my limited understanding. I want to pray beyond what I feel like praying and what I currently understand. Last verse. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us 
in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all the hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What I love in this verse is this portion that says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray. Isn't it interesting that the place of weakness for us is just not knowing what to pray. But once we know how to pray, once we know how to pray, there's no more weakness. Amen. Because we're linked to the promises of God at that point. We're, we're releasing the faith. We're releasing the word. We're releasing the spirit. We're releasing the kingdom of God into the situation. So we're no longer weak. You're actually the most powerful people on the face of the planet. Because you're the only ones that can access the mind of God and then pray it into the earth. And so the enemy knows that, that the only weakness that we have is when we don't know what to pray. When we're, we're so overwhelmed or we're so emotional or we're so fearful or we're so consumed with the immediate moment that we're, we're kind of paralyzed. We don't know what to pray. And that's where this is so valuable that the Spirit can kick in and give us the words to pray. That the word, the, 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 the perfect will of God and his words can be dropped into our mouth and prayed out of our mouth. And we're no longer limited by this. Now there's no more weakness. God knows what the Spirit's saying. God knows what the Spirit's praying. And now it's too late for the devil because the prayer has been released. The word has been sent. Amen. And he is faithful to his word to perform it. Come on, man. Clap, celebrate, whatever. If you have comments, do little emojis right now. He is faithful to perform his word. One of the, the biggest weapons the enemy has is just to get us to a place where we're overwhelmed. And we, don't, we don't even feel like praying right now. Have you ever been there? You're so weary, you're so tired. I remember when our son was in the hospital getting all these surgeries, there were times that I didn't even wanna pray. I didn't even feel like praying. I was so drained. But I love the fact that I could still pray in the spirit because I didn't have to think about all of my stuff and all the confusion I was going through. Even in our faith journey coming here, there's been so many things we don't understand. There's been so many things that are just bigger than us. And I'm so glad I'm not limited to only praying prayers I feel like praying. But I can just say, no, by a choice of my will, I set my will aside. I set my thoughts aside. I set my fears aside. I set my confusion aside. And I pray in the spirit. And God, you begin to pray what needs to be prayed, not what I feel like praying. Because right now I feel like praying against that person and against that person. And God is saying, no, I'm praying to create something. So you get focused on people and opposition and all these little foxes that spoil the vineyard. And God's building a kingdom through you. Amen. So today, I wanted to bring some clarity and hopefully some wisdom. Because people don't know about this tongues thing anymore. People don't talk about it. And, and if they do, there's this persecution to kind of shrink it down so that we don't use it. And I'm here to tell you, I'm so grateful for the ability to speak in a language that I don't totally understand what's going on. But I understand that God is doing it. There's been so many times in my life where this key, this has been so valuable. And I believe there's things that we're living in right now that I prayed five, ten years ago that if God would have told me about it ten years ago, I would have said there's no way. And I'm so glad my lack of faith didn't prevent the current reality I'm living in. Isn't that awesome? And so today my encouragement to you is maybe this brings a little clarity. If you've not been operating in 
the gift that God's deposited in you, maybe you take it off the shelf, dust it off, and you begin to practice this again. Maybe you can give yourself a goal, like five minutes a day. I'm going to pray in these languages that I've kind of neglected. I promise you, you do that for, let's say, seven days. At the end of it, why don't you take an assessment and see, see how you've grown just by praying five minutes a day, setting a goal and meeting a, a, a goal. Don't, don't set it out and say, I'm going to pray for an hour every day. Let's not jump there yet. Not if you haven't been doing it. Let's just start by saying, God, I'm going to do it consistently. I'm going to see what you begin to speak to me. I'm going to begin to see what you begin to do inside of me and through me. Maybe you've not been open to this concept because it was so crazy, it was abused, or people were just, they did it in a way that was just offensive or weird, and you never had your questions answered. So today, if you're just at a place where you're considering these things of the Spirit, that is totally okay. You can grow, you can take a journey, you can ask questions. That's what today is about, hopefully to give you some reasoning of why God would do this thing. And it's, maybe it is valuable. And if it opens up your heart to ask some questions, please, Next week when we have church, come talk to our altar workers. Reach out to us through the week. Talk to one of our pastors. Maybe you find someone in your own life that operates in this in a healthy way. And you say, all right, I'm not saying I'm ready yet, but I'm willing to have a conversation about it. Tell me about this thing called tongues or spiritual language. So that's what today was for. To remind us you're not powerless. You are powerful. That you have access to the mind of God to bring wisdom and to bring direction. And when the world is spinning like it is right now and so many things are piling on, that we have the ability to pray beyond the current situation and get the mind of God and to pray the kingdom of God into this thing. There are solutions. Here's the thing. There are solutions to the problems in our world. And God is wanting to bring them to us. God is wanting to pray them through us if we open ourselves up and say, okay, God, we need real answers, not just the same old, same old. We need real answers. And God will do that. So why don't we do this? Why don't you go ahead and stand? I'm gonna close in a word of prayer. And then our worship team's gonna come out and Pastor Izzy's gonna come up here in just a moment. And after that, our altar, virtual altar call will take place. And one of our new uh, altar team leader, Lisa Shaw, will be leading that. But let me pray over you, pray over this time, and let's just receive this word and see what God would say to us about it. Heavenly Father, right now, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you for the day of Pentecost, the day everything changed. It's all different. We're not powerless. God, you're with us. You're in us. Lord, I pray that today we've had a specific conversation about speaking languages that we didn't learn, why it would be valuable, why it would be helpful in such a time as this. God, I ask that for those of us that have set this gift on the shelf and we've not operated in it, that today faith would rise and you'd help us to begin practicing this and growing in it and God, seeing the value of why you place it inside of us. God, I pray that we wouldn't make it awkward. We wouldn't be embarrassed about it. That God, we'd be so confident and so at ease, we would put others at ease. It's very normal. God, I pray for those that are, have questions or even opposition to this concept. That God, today maybe moved the ball down the field a little bit. Opened up some questions, opened up some answers. And I pray, God, you'd lead them on a journey to be open to everything you would have for them. And God, we just pray for all of us in the room and all of us watching today. God, I thank you that you pray through us your will in this season as we move out of COVID. God, as we're taking on and attacking these things that are going on of racism and prejudice and hate and crimes and all these things, so much stuff, the economy and so much pressure, that God, you help us to access heaven and pray your answers, to pray your will be done in this earth. 
real solutions to real problems. And God, I thank you for all these things. We are not alone. You are ever-present help in time of need. We give you glory, honor, and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.